Thanks for clicking play on the East Lake Tri-Cities Talks podcast. If you're new to this, we're trying to be the best church option for people in the Tri-Cities who aren't typically into church. We hope today's talk inspires you to take next steps in doing life in the way Jesus modeled and taught. If you're ever interested in being a part of one of our in-person gatherings, they take place every Sunday at the Uptown Theater in Richland. Check the website for current times. And regardless of what you look like, who you voted for, or where your tattoos are, we'd love to have you. But for now, here's our most recent talk. Good morning. Welcome to Eastlake, and welcome to Eastlake Online. For those of you watching online or on replay, we're so glad that you are here. I would like to set the tone today by talking about, remember that feeling that you had that one time that you wrote a paper, you stayed up all night writing a paper uh, on a computer or whatever, and then you like thought you click save, but you didn't click save, and you reopen the thing, and it's gone, and you just thought, my life is over at this point, like I just don't even know. And everybody's like, you can just rewrite it, and it'll be better the second time around. And you know that that's true, but the thought of rewriting something that you already wrote just makes you feel like, Oh, so um, I want to bring that ba- that feeling back because I uh, a few months ago, about three four months ago or so, I got a text message from Eric, uh, the guy in the video just now who does all of our graphics, media, all that kind of stuff, and website stuff. And he said, "Hey, um, I know it's Sunday morning, and you got a lot on your plate, but our website is down and it's gone. People go to the website, there's just nothing there. We lost." Everything, there was an update that we thought was there, and it's a plug-in. I don't know, it's mumbo-jumbo to me. It doesn't matter. Um, and, uh, and I'm like, okay, well, so what, what are our options? And he's like, we have to just recreate like, everything from, from there. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Uh, and so we started doing it, which has been a good thing for us. Like, it's, it's been really like a thing coming out of code. We're like, all right, well, what do we want this to be? Who's this for? What's our target? Blah, blah, blah. It's allowed us to reevaluate and simplify a few things. Um, it's allowed us to create some cool stuff on our About Us page that is, is new. We have a new discrimination statement, non-discrimination statement, statement on social justice. If you haven't been there for a while, you need to go check it out. But I say all that because uh, on this, this piece, um, I was able to go through an old folder on my computer and look at all of the things that I've written or created for the content for the website over the years. And so I saw our original, I saw all the stuff that I sent to Chris, the original time we did our first ever website. And on there was some photos of some of our team and, and uh, several of our team members are still here. And here's the thing you're going to notice. This is my wife, Kylie. Uh, and then there's, there's Carrie Lynn. She helped out with some first impression stuff. And then Becky, who was a uh, lead in elementary, who still serves 11 years later as lead in elementary all these times. Now, here's the thing about all three of these pictures so far. Hold that last, hold for that last one. All three of these look like they could go on our website today and none of you would say anything. You'd be like, yeah, that looks like Kylie. That looks like Carolyn. That looks like Becky. And then there's my picture, which immediately you would say, that looks like like pre-internet, like before the cell phone. That looks like so... If I, if I threw that up on the website and like, hey, this is Brent. I'm the team people. I would get emails from seven of you minimum being like, what are you doing trying to put this photo... That's some sort of a what you can expect on a Sunday, because they're going to think your dad's speaking when, you sh- when they show up. Maybe we have a guest speaker. It's his dad. Anyways, so it's really a humbling experience to kind of go through and be like, that was 11 years ago. So that's what you've done to me for 11 years. This is what you've turned me into. I blame you, and uh, that's what we have to go forth. Uh, and anyways, um, I say all that also because I had a chance while I was looking at that folder to look at some of the different iterations of what we're about as a church over the years. So we've done like overhauls on our website a few times and we've had different taglines come and go um, as a result of it. Taglines to be like, here's what would be different about us as a church. So we've done uh, a church for people who don't typically like church. That's like, like our current iteration of it. Uh, we've done a church for unchurched people. Uh, and one of the earlier iterations was come as you are, 
uh, but refuse to stay that way. Come as you are and refuse to stay that way. Ultimately, we moved away from it because I think from a distance, um, if you didn't know us, it kind of felt like a be more like us sort of invitation, which is always this, a dumb sort of version of church. Like you have a chance to be like us, right? And you're like, I don't want to be like you, right? So that, that can scare people away. Um, and so we, we, we obviously did it um, a, a different way. But I think the underlying sentiment was still really good, right? We don't care where you come from and what you do. But like, hopefully you understand, and we all understand that we're all going somewhere that God's calling us to kind of continually reevaluate ourselves and, and uh, evolve into a more Christ-like person and, and more and more into his likeness. That's what discipleship is about, taking what I currently am and growing more and more into his likeness. Uh, and the idea that God loves us too much to leave us the way that we are. So I think that that kind of thing is still true uh, because it's true in like uh, a lot of arenas of your life. I think um, in whatever arena you find yourself in, like good parents, good husbands, good wives, good uh, whatever, good friends, they want the best for you. They want to watch you and help you grow. They want to uh, reveal perhaps blind spots or, or you know, take the edges and, and soften the edges a little bit and make you uh, a better husband, a better employee, a better dad, a better this kind of thing, whatever. So they are always there with what we uh, like to call a little friendly advice, right? Everybody's got a little friendly advice where, hey, just a thing, just a, something to think about. Feels like you reacted a little heavy right there. Feels like when the kids came in, they had some news. It was like a level four. You responded like a level seven. Just got a few things that we want to you know, and the little advice uh, that goes along this way and how often and how much you listen is often dependent on how much you value the, their opinions because they're not the only ones that have friendly advice for you. People of all kinds come up to you and like, hey, I got a little friendly advice for you. And if you don't like them or don't respect their authority in your life, you're like, you know what? You can keep it. Uh, and or, uh, I'm, that's a little too uncouth. I will listen to you, but I will not change anything about me as a result of this, right? Um, you, you base your, uh, the value of what they have to say based on how much you value their authority in your life, which you should. You're adults. Like, that's how you uh, become an adult. Um, and we, oftentimes, when it comes to this, hey, I've got some friendly advice for you, we are quick to parry with what we call this attack with excuses. Now, we don't call them excuses, do we? We, we call them something different. But we said this has been a series on excuses. We've called it paper walls because every once in a while um, in life, uh, we, we are presented with a paper wall. Or we have an opportunity to create excuses, which are like paper walls, a weak barrier that doesn't look weak. It looks strong, but if you get close enough, you'll realize it's fake. It's just wallpaper. It's whatever. And it keeps us separated from whatever is on the other side. And so we come into these situations where we're not matching up to our own expectations or whatever somebody else has for us. And why don't you do this? And why don't you ever? Why don't you blah, blah, blah? And, and we will uh, operate by creating and, and putting up a little bit of paper walls. Excuses often masquerade as reasons. We don't say they're excuses. I have a reason for operating the, and doing the things the way that I do them. And the reason I do this is because, so that excuses, to, to simplify week one, masquerade as reasons. And they come out of our vocabulary as becauses. I'm this way because I have a reason for, for acting like this. I have a reason for this. Let me, let me explain it to you if you'll listen long enough. And it's because of this. The reason I'm still working in this same day-to-day -day job that I've told you forever that I hate it is because dot, dot, dot. The reason I still haven't finished school is because blah, blah, blah. The reason I'm still swamped in debt is because blah, blah, blah. The reason I haven't followed through on my New Year's initiatives. I have a reason. Let me tell you what it is. If you'll stay long enough and hear me out, I have some reasons. I don't have excuses. No, no, no. These are not excuses. We would say this. I don't have excuses. Excuses are for fill-in-the-blank people, Right? Weak people, inept people, people who don't have it coming. I, have it. I, I know what I'm doing, but uh, these are people who don't know what they're doing. Excuses are for them. What I have are 
reasons. I have uh, reasons. Now, we've all seen this. We've all heard this. We've all utilized this to some, to some way. And uh, if you are here, then uh, you know that this is an opportunity to kind of look at, we try and gather together and say, what does the way of Jesus as represented in scripture have to do with us? And every time that our lives come into conflict with something like this, we have a decision. We can read the Bible through the lens of our own lives, or we can actually begin to look at our lives through the lens of scripture and be like, um, I am going to change to morph into this, or I'm going to morph this to change into what I want it to be. And we want to be, I want to be the type of person uh, that is uh, humble enough, open-handed enough to be like, let me, let me change my life uh, based on an interpretation of this. I think the invitation to the way of Jesus is to allow this to have the authority to be able to change my life and not the other way around for this. Um, and so when it comes to excuses for why I don't do things the way that Jesus invites me to do them, um, would put me in a position to kind of realize perhaps I'm making up excuses. Perhaps I'm creating paper walls. I read this. I'm challenged by this. Do I do anything different as a result of it? Or do I say, well, I have a good reason for not doing that. And my reason is, it's just an excuse, right? Um, so I'm not trying to like get on your bad side, but as your pastor, and as, as if, I, if I took this approach, and, and if this was an approach that you wanted to take as well, then my question, the follow-up question to that would be simply this. Is it possible that some of your well-rehearsed reasons are actually excuses? And I say well-rehearsed because what we do in creating reasons to excuse our behavior is try things out on people and to see if they buy it. And if they don't buy it, we, re- we, we rethink it and come up with other things to kind of justify it. Nobody believed that that was a legitimate excuse. I have to come up with something better. And then as soon as it works, we recycle it. And we always have good reasons to justify the current behavior that we want to have. And it's a well-rehearsed reason. And sometimes people or scenarios or scripture or an invitation like this, or if we really are taking a good look at ourselves and trying to grow ourselves personally, we realize maybe those are actually excuses that come across as simply well-rehearsed reasons. All right, number two, if I haven't stepped on your toes yet, you're not listening well enough, it'll happen. Is it possible that you've invented reasons to excuse certain actions? Is it possible you've led with certain actions? Here's what I definitely want to do. Here's what I definitely want to be about. Now let me come up and figure out reasons to justify this. I know this isn't what I'm supposed to do, but this is what I want to do. Therefore, let me think through, let me, let me, let me work through some reasons that work out to be able to, to make this work what I want to be. Now, here's what makes it so difficult for us to square with who we want to be and what we want to be known for as, as people, right? We want to be people of integrity. We want to be people who are you know, known as Christians or are like doing good things or trying to make a better life of myself or all, all this kind of stuff, right? And, and we want to be healthy individuals. We want to be self-aware individuals. We don't want people to know things about us that we don't know about ourselves. And that's the hard part about this thing. This is, again, one of those difficult things to spot in the mirror, but so easy to see through the window of life. We see people who do this and we think that's so silly. And then we do it ourselves and we don't see the hypocrisy involved in it. Like we do this and think we're getting away with it. And it's so easy to spot in our kids. It's so easy to see in, in our high school kids who are trying to make sense of life and they're like feeling that independence now and they're doing their own thing and they're justifying, well, the reason I didn't do this, mom, is because, and it sounds good, but it's like, I, I know what you're doing. You're just making excuses for it. You're doing what you want to do and then trying to shape it, shape everything else around that. 
And it's so funny to see when other people do it and it's a sign of immaturity for you that you would see it and be like, "That's I would never say that to them out loud, but it's just immaturity. But I think I can get away with it. That's essentially, he can get away with it too. That's how it works. So uh, that's, uh, he didn't like that point. That's all right. Um, <laughs> stepping on too many toes. This is, this is where we struggle with this thing. It's again, it's, one, it's a difficult thing. It is the call of the Christian, by the way. This is not only uh, relevant in this area. Like the whole, the whole board of, of Christianity is an invitation to live things out individually that we see as so like so obvious in other people and then not do it for ourselves. This idea of loving people in the way that you know we want to be treated ourselves. Like it's not just don't do things in the way that we wouldn't want to be treated, it's to love them in the way that we would want them to love us. It's doing for them like on, on a full scale level what we would want to have done for us. This is essentially that, just in the area of excuses. Don't make excuses to justify the action that you want to create. It's so silly when you see it in other people and we do it ourselves. As way. And this kind of dishonesty is so difficult uh, to do. And so it shows up in the story of Jesus. Um, Jesus, uh, in, in several instances, but specifically the one that we're going to look at today in Luke chapter 9, um, he is going out and he's preaching. And the, the little subheading, if you had your Bible with you, um, a lot of paragraphs of like, a, here's what's coming up, you know, to summarize the whole statement thing, is uh, this one will say like the cost of discipleship or the cost of following Jesus. And the premise is Jesus is out there. He's preaching one day and somebody from the back raises his hand and goes, I love it. I love what you're saying. You, this is great. Like you're speaking with an authority that we've never seen before. Like I, I highly respect this. I'm, I'm, I'm on board. Just want you to know, I think you're awesome, right? One of those kind of sort of in, interpretation things. Um, and, and so then what happens uh, is that Jesus then has this invitation to this person. He says, if you love it so much, why don't you follow me? And, and it's different than the way that we currently see it. The group, church that you grew up in, the church that we're at, when we say, listen, we gather together to kind of interpret what it would mean to look like and, and live in the way of, of Jesus. It's like this, you know, I'm, I'm giving my life to him. What does that mean, right? For some, it meant like filling out a card, raising a hand, doing a prayer, whatever. But at no point did it mean like, does, does it mean currently like changing your direction to, like tomorrow or, or like physically moving in some direction. For Jesus, this is what he's doing. I'm in town today. I'm talking to all of, all of you, Jesus would say this. Um, I want you to follow me, meaning I'm leaving town tomorrow. Pack your bags, we're going, right? And that's, that's the hard thing for, for him as he's, as he's reading through this. He goes, okay, this is a, a difficult spot to be in. He, respl- he replies to Jesus' invitation to this in verse 59. But he replied, Lord, First, let me go and bury my father, which sounds like a completely reasonable excuse. In fact, it doesn't sound like an excuse at all. It sounds like a reason. It almost sounds like Jesus interrupted his walk to the graveyard, right? Like he's walking in this funeral procession and Jesus is doing this. And this guy turns, he's like, hey, I'm in, but like, I'm, I'm, I'm busy right now. Can I, can I come back in just a minute? To which, if that was the case, I honestly think Jesus is like, would be like, oh, myself, I'm so sorry for your loss. Yes, of course. Go, find me when you're finished grieving and I'm sure we can work something out. But that's not what, by the way, oh, myself, you guys didn't catch the joke. Did you see what he said in there? Oh, myself, anyways, all right. All right, all right, I'm just making sure you were with me. I'm just keeping you awake. I thought it was hilarious. First service did too. You guys are hosing me. All right, a little harder, whatever. In this culture, burial was immediate, right? Um, 
In this culture, when, when people died, it was a matter of uh, minutes, hours before the body was, was buried in, in this, um, which is why on, on Good Friday in the Easter story, as we'll celebrate in a couple of weeks, uh, Nicodemus approaches Pontius Pilate and says, is, according to tradition, according to my, you know, uh, my religion, it is not good for uh, a Jewish person's body to be exposed to the elements like this. Please allow me the opportunity. If I have, if I am at any, if I have any favors to be able to call in, um, would you allow me to bury Jesus' body? And Pontius obliges and, and lets him do this. Um, so it, knowing that we know that about this culture, this man's father, whoever this was in verse 59, his dad's probably not dead. That would have already taken place. I think the comment that he's trying to say here is he's probably just elderly and I'm taking care of him. I would love to follow you, but my dad is well along in years. And my mom is well along in years. Let me take care of them. And then after they're done, uh, I'm in in this way. Which, which totally makes sense as well. Again, how many times have you talked to somebody and, and they said, I'm new to the Tri-Cities. I had the one this morning. And my question always, uh, almost always to them is, what brought you to the Tri-Cities? And I try not to do it in like, what brought you to the Tri-Cities? You know what I mean? Because that can be negative. But because uh, you have to have a certain lens in which to see the beauty of this place. I think I have that lens. I think a lot of you do too. But there are people who don't see it that way. So like, there's no trees here. What, what, what brings you to the Tri-Cities? Anyways, uh, how many times have you heard in response to that? Oh, my parents are long in years. I'm just here to kind of help them, right? And you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, that makes sense, right? That justifies leaving a higher paying job somewhere else or, you know, real estate, all kinds of stuff. There's like all kinds of, so, so I get it. It makes sense. Like this person's, this man's response to Jesus is a reasonable reason slash excuse, as we'll see Jesus calling him, calling him out on this. Verse 60. Let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Let the dead bury their own dead. It sounds so unchristlike, doesn't it? Not like Jesus. Like this reasonable you know, response is given and then like this unreasonable expectation. I don't know like if you've ever brought a friend to Eastlake before and maybe they were like, oh, I'd like to talk to the pastor afterwards and we've met in the lobby or up at the front or something like that. And they came up and they presented a reasonable thing for why they're here. And if I was to act irresponsible, be like, that's let the dead bury their dead. You come to this church or something, something dumb like that. You'd be like, bro, 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 tact, <laughs> strategy, gentleness, kindness. I'm doing you a favor bringing people here. Don't ruin this for both of us. You know what I mean? Uh, there's so little tact here, seemingly, and yet it's in here. And then it goes on. The story doesn't stop there. Verse 61, like an, another person says, still another person said, I will follow you, Lord. But first, let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Well, that makes sense. I mean, if I'm about to go on a journey and I've got family responsibilities, I don't know if this is like immediate family, like a wife and kids, or if this is just extended family or whatever, I, who knows? But like, it's not an unreasonable excuse or doesn't come across that way. It sounds so reasonable, but here's the thing. All of our reasons and all of our excuses sound reasonable. You don't have non-reasonable excuses for the most important things in your life that you do. If you did, you would have filtered them out already. You would have rehearsed them away. What you have in place to explain why you are the way that you are, why you don't do the things that you know you ought to do and, and, and don't do and whatever, is well-rehearsed reasons. It's always well-rehearsed reasons. Every excuse you've ever seriously used has sounded reasonable because when it didn't, you stopped using it and you came up with something more believable. 
And so it's almost like Jesus is calling this person on this and saying, you, you say that I can't do this because I, I have a family. I, I mean, I get it, but like, let, let, me, let, me, push it, let me push back here for you. Um, I've, I've never like done like direct person-to-person sales. It's never been my thing. I don't have the oh, stamina, the heart, the stomach for it or whatever, like just the constant rejection. That would just be really hard. I admire the people that do. Um, and oh, oh, But over the years, you know, you've done the thing where it's like it's a timeshare thing. It's a meeting thing. It's all somebody comes and knocks on the door. I've got a vacuum that's going to save your life. I've got a uh, – and the, the most recent thing was a solar panel guy came to our house like six months ago, right? I need a meeting with you. Kylie's there. Well, me, we, we had multiple people in our neighborhood have solar panels. We've had friends and family. It makes sense. We want to be a good steward of it. They're like talking about the finances involved in this kind of thing. We ended up having this guy back two or three times. Uh, and uh, then and so we developed this relationship. We were on a first name basis, first name, but you know, whatever that means, whatever that's worth. But anyways, uh, we were seriously considering going down this road. And about the third meeting in, he is there, and it was supposed to be the time where it's like, I've got the contract, here's the thing, you know, here's the last minute budget numbers and whatever else. And uh, he shows up, and uh, we'd settled on time, and, uh, and Kylie wasn't home yet. She was off with, some, with the kids doing something else. And I was like, hey, it's fine, like Kylie's not here, but like we can talk through some things and get started. And he's like, no, no, no we'll just wait for her. And I was like, well, he, she's like 20, 30 minutes away, like it's going to be a little while. He's like, it's fine, I got time. And I was like, oh, this is so awkward. You know, like, but he knew, like, he's been, he's well conditioned enough to know the easy out for somebody like me is to be like, man, I, I really want to, but like, I never make a decision without my significant other here. And this is a really big life decision. And so I'm, for now, I'm going to have to say no. He was trying to remove that as an obstacle. So he's like, well, I'll just wait in this awkward silence. And I'd be like, oh, that's fine. Let me call her and make sure, hey, are you close? She, she, uh, yeah, you need to get here immediately because it's getting awkward, right? And I can only talk about the weather and sports for so long, right? So, but as a salesperson, you know that that's, that is, can be a legitimate excuse because the person would say in that moment, you're right, that's a good, good call. I would never make a decision, right? Because they want to be on your side. They want to be friends with you. Uh, I would never make a decision this big without my significant other being a part of this thing. So good for you, but we'll just wait, Right. Uh, they know that, that that's just an excuse. And I think Jesus knows this too. Like this person is, is this may or may not have been true, but Jesus just says, you know what? That sounds like a, a false wall. That, found, that sounds like a paper wall that you've created. That sounds like you coming up with something that's re- well rehearsed, that has a lot of reasoning behind it, that has a lot of things that kind of go with it, that makes a lot of sense on a lot of different levels. And I'm just gonna like poke a little hole in this and be like, is it really, is it keeping, is it really there? Or is it a false fake barrier in there? Jesus' response in verse 62 no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back. And he's speaking to a, an agrarian society. They would have plows. They would not be ran by an engine. They'd be run by an ox or an animal or some pack animal of, of some sort. But he's like, no one who does this seriously, who, who is trying to, uh, to, to make these lines of rows, looks back. Because you know what happens when you're mowing? If you're trying to mow with a little push mower and you look back, you know what happens to your lawn? You look like the goofball that can't draw a straight line. You're going this way, right? When you're mowing, it's always focused. I'm, I'm not going to be that guy. Don't be that guy, right? I'm going to go straight. I'm going to go towards that tree. And then once you set the first one, then the rest kind of fall into place. He, he knows this. He's like, all right, no one who puts a hand in the plow looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. No one who isn't really focused on this is going to make it work. And what's interesting about this, I think this is one of those phrases in scripture uh, that legitimizes 
what we know about Jesus. Everything that we know about Jesus, he never wrote a book. Everything was about him in these four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and then Paul's interpretations of it later. And so we have these sayings of Jesus, but uh, there's all kinds of talk about, did he really say that? Did he not really say that? Was that added in later to make him sound better? If you were writing a story about Jesus, you'd want him uh, loving on children, speaking uh, uh, um, very progressively about women, uh, uh, talking about love. All of those things feel like those could have been added in to kind of make your case for the story of Jesus. One of the things that I think legitimizes the accounts of the four witnesses that we have, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, is the inclusion of stories like this that make Jesus come out to be kind of a jerk in this way, right? Like a lot of, a lot of really smart people go, I think this, I think Jesus actually said this thing or these things to these people because if it was made up, it feels like a weird addition to put in. It feels like something you wouldn't make up if you were trying to talk about Jesus as somebody worth following in this way. And Jesus is saying, you're just making excuses. Those are paper walls. Now, that's great for them back then. What about for you, right? What about for your life? What about your stuff? What about your scenarios? What about your excuses that you've rehearsed? What about your reasons, your becauses that have that everybody's kind of been believing for a really long time? You've got something that's paper wall you've created. You're doing this. It works. You've recycled the same thing because you filtered it through the, the things that don't work, and now this one does, and you've got all kinds of stuff going on. So my question to you to kind of step on your toes again for a little bit is how would Jesus, who knows your story, by the way, who knows your fears, knows your insecurities, who knows your potential, how would he respond to your quote-unquote reasons? How would Jesus, who knows all of that stuff about you, how would he respond to your reasons? I think that there's a chance that in an effort to get you to stop hurting yourself, he may utilize language that hurts your feelings. I don't think that people who heard Jesus' response in Luke chapter 9 felt real great about, Jesus, that's kind of unkind, yeah, but I'm watching you make decisions that hurt yourself. You're not committing to anything fully. Uh, and this is a big thing that I'm calling you to. And I think that Jesus does and uses people in our lives to use language that isn't soft, that is kind of a hard, but it, it's good for us. Like at some point we're like, I know I, I, I need to hear this. This is why you hire a personal trainer. I'm going to pay you multiple dollars to tell me I'm an idiot and I'm not working hard enough and those sit-ups aren't high enough and the, you know, the bar's not going low enough. I need you. I'm, in the moment, I'm gonna be like, you're a jerk and I hate you, but I am gonna keep paying you because I need this and I want this for myself. I, I want a goal that's bigger than, than what I know I can get to myself, right? So I need you to hurt my feelings because I need to grow in this area. Listen, there is a correlation between the trajectory of how much you love somebody and how much you're willing to put up with their excuses. There's a correlation between the trajectory of how much you love somebody and how much you're willing to put up with their excuses. I, I, I know that this can, you know, there's a swing in this, this can, you know, go into abuse. That, trust me, please, that's not, you know that that's not where I would go and be like, put up with anything, they love you, they're just being mean because they're, they, uh, I'm being mean to you because I love you. That's a terrible, I, I, I understand that. But there are some things in, when it comes to your kids I love you too much to watch you destroy yourself in this way. I'm going to be harsh with you. I'm going to set boundaries in this way. I'm going to call you on it. I'm going to call you on your BS. This really could have been a series called uh, Paper Walls, the series on our BS. I just didn't think that that would like advertise well on Facebook. I don't know. It, who knows? But that's essentially what this, this basically is. And there's a correlation between how much you love somebody. I love you too much to allow you to continue to destroy yourself. And you keep using these excuses. And they work with a lot of people. And that's fine. But they just don't work with me. 
Beware those who easily buy your excuses. This may be a reflection of their lack of love for you. If you throw out lame excuses and they nod their head and be like, that makes sense. It may be a sign that they don't actually truly love you. And I know that that's hard to hear and that's difficult. And I, I think that this is what we see showing up in Jesus' story going, I feel like that's a paper wall that's keeping you from what you want, what I know you want to be or what I know what's best for you. And I, I just want to poke some holes in it. Sometimes when Jesus had tough things to say to people, uh, and this is even true for, for like uh, us today, um, some of, sometimes the most challenging thing that we know we need to hear is best not told to us straight up because our skin is too thin a little bit. Um, but if you can couch it in a narrative or couch it in a story, we can like see ourselves in the story and it doesn't feel like it's about us necessarily. Um, and Jesus knew that. He knew that about the human condition. So he would oftentimes teach in what are called parables, right? Stories that are made up once upon a time, but these wouldn't be like completely fictional. They would have a point to them. There would always be a moral to the parable. There's a fixed, a fixed point of what he's trying to communicate. And hopefully you find yourself in the parable. One of those parables, I've preached about it multiple times in the last five years or so. So I'm going to breeze through a little bit. Shows up in Matthew 25. A little sub, subheading on that would be the parable of the talents, parable of the bags of money. A rich man decides he's going to admit a rich master. He's going to go on a trip. He's going to be gone for an extended period of time. No, no talk about where he's going or how long he's going to be, but assumption is a long time. He brings in his three most trusted servants, advisors, uh, and he gives them each according to their ability is what it says. So in, in terms of rank, I trust him the most, him second most, and him third most. Gives him five talents of money. Talent is just a large sum of money. So 5X, 2X, 1X. This is very clearly for them. We know where we stand in terms of our master and what he thinks of us. He likes him the most, him a little bit more than me, and then, and then me, right? So, but that makes sense. You, you do this occasionally. You do this at work. There are employees who have a little bit more leeway than others, right? Um, so, the, uh, so then each servant kind of takes the, the person who had five, goes and he invests it. And when the master returns at some point later on in the story, uh, the master approaches him and says, what have you done with what I gave you? And he goes, look, I've taken your five. I've added another five. Here's 10 back. And the response from the master is, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful to a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. The second servant shows up and says, uh, you gave me two, not, just, not five, but you still gave me two. I took that and I've, I've made another two. Um, so here's four back. And then the interesting thing about the story is he says the exact same thing verbatim to the second servant that he did the first one. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. Not pretty good. That's pretty good. Not as good as him, but pretty good. Exact same words. Then he comes to the third one who was given one, who had the chance to kind of go do the things, come back. I mean, the assumption in the story, if you're here in the story, for the very first time, would be like, did he come back with one, right? Or, or, or he came back with two because he added the one and then, you know, that, that would be the natural progression. But you know that because there's a third part of the story, you're not even like a religious person. You go, ah, there's going to be a twist. There's going to be something. He's not going to have anything. He's not going to, he's going to have more. I don't know what he's going to have, whatever. The third servant says he buried his money. The ser this third servant, instead of investing it and doing something smart with it, he just buries it in the ground. So then when he comes home, he brings it, the one talent bag of gold back to his master and says, here's the money that you was given to me, right? Master, the servant says, I knew you were a hard man investing where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. Here's the thing that you gave me. You gave it to me, you entrusted it to me, and I'm giving it back to you. I knew you're tough. I knew you, I knew you ask for things. You're a shrewd manager. 
you expect things from a lot of different people. You have high expectations. And I didn't want to like mess with that. So here's, here's your stuff back to you. Implication being this, a little translation for you. Before I tell you what I did with your money, you need to know it's not my fault. This is, here's, here's I'm about to tell you. Let me just preface it. And anytime your kids have come home, be like, I have a story here, real quick. And you say, how'd the test go? Well, before I tell you what the result was, how'd your driving test go? What? Well, you know, there's a, mom, there's been a little accident, a little car accident, but before we go, not my fault, just to preface this, and you're going, definitely your fault. Let's, let's hear it out. Before I tell you what I did with your money, you need to know it's not my fault. It's your fault. If you weren't the way that you are, I wouldn't have done what I did. It was out of my control. This is the exact same echo of Adam in the garden. When God approaches him and goes, did you eat from that tree that I told, like, I gave you one rule? And he's like, listen, she, she gave it to me and you gave me her. So like, I don't know, this is like her fault or your fault. It's one of you two. You guys need to work it out. I feel like the innocent victim in this case. Jesus is saying once upon a time, this has been part of the human condition forever. We externalize our problems and our issues. We are really quick with excuses that sound reasonable. The reasonable excuses, I know you're kind of a jerk and you expect a lot of things from a lot of different people. And if I lost money, you'd be so angry with me. And I didn't want to do that. And, and, and I know who you are. And so therefore, your, your money, I just hid in the ground and I'm bringing it back to you. And here it is, right? Verse 25. So I was afraid. So I was afraid. And that really is the key. At the root of almost every single excuse is some sort of a fear. I have a fear. I have a fear of failure. I was afraid I was going to lose it. I have a fear of success sometimes, a fear of change, a fear of staying the same. We all have different fears. All of our excuses are motivated by some sort of fear. I was afraid. I'm, I'm scared to not know what this looks like. If I apply for this job or if I transition, uh, then if I, if I get the promotion, then I just don't know I'm going to be good enough to make it work. Or if I don't, then what's going to happen? Maybe just better if I don't do it. But then if I don't do it, then I'm just stuck here. Then I'm just doing this. I'm, I'm afraid of, of being single all my life. And I'm, exa- I'm, I'm scared of dating. I'm scared of this. I'm, I'm scared of, I just don't know. I'm just, I'm operating at a, at a level of fear. And then out of my fear come my excuses. So I was afraid and I went out and I hid your gold in the ground. See, here's what is, belongs to you. And the master's response in verse 26 is simple. His master replied, I totally understand. No worries, Here's a Starbucks gift card for your troubles. Not, not even close, right? You got to read your Bible more. You wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the banker so that when I returned, I would have received back at least something with interest. But you have not done any of this. Then he turns to his guards or security people and he says, throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And everybody listening goes, ah, threw him into hell. Darkness, weeping, gnashing of teeth. It's not really the implication here. That's a, like a modern day reading of this. This just seems, this, this idea of working in darkness, working with like there's weeping in this gnashing of teeth, there's gonna be an intense level of frustration. You're gonna live a frustrating life. If your response to uh, invitations to kind of do some things is constantly out of fear and out of making excuses and you just get by with making excuses, don't be surprised when you live a frustrating life, a a life that feels like I'm walking around in darkness and everything that I do causes me to cry about it or want to cry about it and gnash my teeth out of just a gritty angerness. It's about missing out on something. It's about not saying something, not doing something, having some sort of legitimate excuse for it and then watching everything else kind of go by me 
and me just being like, that could have been me, what if it could have been me, that should have been me, blah, blah, blah. Excuse, 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 but I lived at the level of excuse. It's like being a part of the text message string of some, you know, a group of friends. You got a group of friends and they're like, hey, bro, buy, let's buy this stock together. Everybody else buys the stock and you have some sort of legitimate excuse, not a great time for me, I'm gonna avoid it. And then all of a sudden it goes crazy and you're getting the text message like, this is amazing. You're like, it, leave conversation, Siri. Take me out of this text string. Everybody goes on vacation. It's a group of friends going on vacation. We're all going to go on vacation. Just doesn't work for me. I'm super busy right now. Okay, great. No problem. You don't have to go. Everybody's texting. We're heading to the pool. And you're like, gosh, dang it. Stop talking about it with me. Frustration. I'm, I'm, I'm missing out on, on these kinds of things. You had a legitimate excuse to get out of it. But now it's just like your life is going to be, it's going to be difficult. This is, this is all he's trying to say here. I don't think he's like, I'm condemning you to hell. It's just like, don't be surprised when it feels like I'm wandering in darkness, that I'm crying, that I'm on the verge of tears, that, and it's intensely frustrating for me to be able to do this. When we create these walls for ourselves, when we create these well-rehearsed reasons for it, don't be surprised when it's a struggle. Jesus would say, don't operate on fear of missing out on who you could and should be. Don't, fear out on, don't miss out on uh, what you could and should do. So the challenge for us is what does Jesus think of your reasons? You've got your reasons. I've got my reasons. I've got all kinds of things I know I should not to do, right? What are the things that I've come up with? What are, what are the well-rehearsed excuses that I've been lucky enough to get by with? How do I respond when people push back on these sort of things? How do I uh, react to this? Maybe, maybe, uh, maybe this is an area of growth and we're concluding this series and usually at this point we like do communion and tie it all back into Jesus but um, we're going to do communion uh, on Easter Sunday and I just didn't want to like overwhelm you with wafers and juice and so we're just going to do we're just going to do it then and skip it for today Uh, but but to kind of close this thing off this paper wall series like what are the walls that you've created that you know you know and probably people who love you the most know too. And for whatever reason, they, uh, some, they choose, they're strategic about when and how they try and poke walls in it or poke, poke holes in the walls because they know that sometimes it's not the great time to do it. But man, they love you too much to just watch you miss out on what you could and probably should do or uh, could be, could and probably should be. Um, Maybe, maybe it's a, an awareness. Beware of, of the people who uh, put up with your excuses. Maybe that was the challenge. Maybe it's like, I, I, I need to surround myself with better people who call me on this stuff because everybody else is just nodding with me. And, and, and I, I see it, how weak that is on the outside through the window of life. And, and I'm missing that in the mirror. So may we be the type of people who don't put up with paper walls. For ourselves, the people that we love, for our family, for our responsible, you know, people who we feel responsible for, our close-knit group of friends or whatever. Maybe we people who grow from that, who see what's on the other side of that. Maybe we invite Jesus and approach his words and his way of doing things, not in a way that kind of like, let me morph this to figure out what I want to do. Let me make excuses for my life so that this fits what I want to do, but instead go, how does my life begin to fit what is presented here? May that be the driving force for us. So I come up with a few questions for you to continue this conversation either with yourself or with perhaps somebody who you came here with or somebody who's watching this online or a friend or, you know, go out to lunch, coffee or 
at home, whatever. You can kind of dialogue through this. But questions to continue the conversation. And then, by the way, I'm going to roll through these kind of fast. So if you're trying to write these down on a piece of paper, it's probably like probably not going to work unless you're a really fast writer. But um, they are also on eastlaketricities.com slash notes or inside of your program. There's like a note sheet. And if you scan right here, you can download the app and it's on the it's on there as well. So um, do you know anybody who excuses behaviors that hurt the people they claim to care about the most? This is the idea of you know seeing this in action, seeing uh, other people. Let's let's take it off of ourselves for a moment and be like, do you see this? Do you know anybody who excuses behaviors that hurt the people they claim to love, uh, care about the most? Number two, when is the last time someone accused you of making excuses, and what's your response? What was your response? Somebody goes, that just. I mean, I get it, but that kind of sounds like an excuse. And you ah, you just attack, you react, you live with it. What'd you do? And lastly, third is this: any paper walls in your life come to mind? Uh, during the talk, anything that you would say, this is where I'm at. This is what I'm doing. I know I do this. I know I react in this way. And uh, it's time It's time for me to kind of deal with it a little bit more. It's time for me to stop rehearse, stop with the well-rehearsed excuses. Or at least, as we said in week one, at least to call it what it is. I have an ex- It's an excuse. It's not a reason. It's my excuse. And if I can live with that language, then, then so be it. But at least it kind of puts it in perspective for me. So... May that be true for us. Let's pray. Father, our prayer is that you would help guide us into that as we approach your word and and your way of doing life. May we not make excuses for when there's a mismatch in how we're doing things, but instead uh, we realize the weakness of the the temporary walls that we've placed in, 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 that we put up to kind of keep us from that. So guide us into that. Help us to challenge ourselves. Help us to be people who love people unconditionally, love them too much to watch them uh, not choose life for them and be able to speak into them, even in, even when we know it's going to be maybe uh, short-term pain, uh, but long-term health. Give us the wisdom to know how to do that strategically and the courage to do something about it in your name. Amen. Thanks again for listening. If you've got more questions about the church or community group options for connecting with East Lakers outside of Sunday mornings, I'd encourage you to check out our website, eastlaketricities.com, or better yet, download our app by searching East Lake Tri-Cities in your favorite app store.